back to another episode of Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm here with Joey. Hello. Tom. Hi, Russ. And Mike. Hey, Russ. Uh, another quick plug for those coming in November to the National Association for the Education of Young Children annual conference in Washington, D.C. We'll be there Wednesday morning, bright and early at 8.15, doing a half-day session talking about what we talk about here. So hopefully you'll come and join us. Speaking of talking, uh, I've got some questions about language. And I guess specifically the language we use, uh, and I guess in, in for this podcast, you know, related to body, movements, um, and I think even, I hope we kind of touch on the idea of praise and the language we use to reinforce movements or sure. to, to draw attention or worry or caution, um, but also the language we use just in general with mm -hmm. and the intentionality we have behind it. So, um, yeah, to open up the, the discussion right now, I think I want to think about the intentionality or why is it so important to think about the language we use when we're describing children's maybe early move. If we were to think... Um, mapping language to for those even I mean if we go all the way to infants and toddlers you know the, the language we're using we need to really you know this is your hand this is your foot we're giving them kind mm -hmm. of descriptors hey you're walking you're running oh you fell down mm -hmm. and we're helping kind of map their movements to language which you know to me well, feels and, like it's and, the, and they learn their bodies like first or right. you know that yeah. is the first yeah. thing your, your body that your caregivers bodies are the, I mean it's a very little baby those like the first things you're gonna learn so it kind of right. makes sense that you need to label them think about all those like how many when you go buy a book for a new baby and it's like all about tummies and toes and right. fingers and you know like the, that's mm -hmm. like the like topic of literature for but babies e right. but even more i think of my memories of reading to baby mm -hmm. those books and being able to sort of like poke at mm -hmm. their tummy when you say right it. and that right. ability and and with any of the words you're able to sort of touch the part of their body or yeah. you know wiggle their toes or whatever mm -hmm. to it's like that self-learning saying it is, so you're so right. it's this sort of enjoyable experience uh you know with their body right. um as well as the book itself mm -hmm. and it it's like they're attributing the words to the object that it's depicting in a and you know with at that young it's not going to be so unless there's no. like a dog in the house yeah. right they know what a dog is because it yeah. keeps you know running into them or right. whatever but yeah for most other things, it's still like ball is often in books like that, and I feel like most kids don't. Well, ball babies. Is until they're, babies yeah. don't. Yeah. You know, toddlers yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, once they get older. Right. Anyway, but anyways, it just yeah. struck me. Well, no, it's, so I think it's there, but I think the you know what's revolved around this whole podcast and many of our discussions is that importance of moving to learn. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about that? You know, is that why we're quick to help identify body parts? and movements and things because we're trying to intentionally well, or unintentionally are we trying to map or try to help set that early learning so so i i, I have a little different take on this go for it tom um because I, actually i was just playing with my grandson who mm -hmm. is five months old mm. and i did very little talking but we still communicated back and forth quite a bit Right. For instance, there was this cup that he was playing with, mm -hmm. and I put my hand inside the cup, and I started to wiggle my hand, which he grabs, and so he's wiggling too. And that's, I mean, I th instead of saying, you know, this is your hand, this is this, he's learning about um, his body through the through the through the physical co um, mm -hmm. communication we are engaged. In. Yeah. Does that make sense? So it's not it's not the mapping of language. It's the it's the uh, what did we call it uh, a few weeks ago? It was the 
dialogue of movement. Uh huh. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, which is what you're yeah, which is what you're talking about. But we do use language a lot. We're right. very verbal. Right. Culture. And I think, I mean, this is going to sort of the uh, RIE, the RIE approach to infant care. Mm. Totally mm. spacing on, I will have to look this up next. But Magda Gerber's, yeah, yes, uh, yes, yes. Gerber's idea of... Like free babies. Yeah, free babies. Yeah, <laughs> and so when you're changing a diaper, it's like the adult has to act on this child's body, uh-huh. but you verbalize what you're doing. I have to lift up your leg now to wipe your bottom now. And so you're still like that perspective is that you're still giving respect to the child Mm -hmm. even though at this point you have to be the one and then as they get a little older it's like oh can you lift your leg for me and Mm -hmm. and then you you ask them to but with a but even the youngest infant you can verbalize what you're doing and it's before they understand the words but as you're doing it it's showing respect but part of it is you have to like that's part of the way you're mapping it but then you also Mm -hmm. do you have to verbalize um well, it depends. I mean, can you do it respectfully without verbalizing it? The reason they verbalize it is that in in the long run, the goal is that you would ask the child, um, "Could you lift your?" And so the child is, is doing, learning that language. In learning that language, mm-hmm. so you're sort of verbalizing it. And I may be butchering this a bit because I will admittedly say that I am not a Rye uh, instructor, or, <laughs> right. mm-hmm. but my understanding is that. Part of that is you're sort of working up to the point where they can mm-hmm. do it themselves. And yet you still have to obviously make sure they're clean, make sure, right. you know. Right. So I'm going to push back a little bit again, if okay. that's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's a tangent, but, you know, we talk about the importance of movement and movement as a language. Mm-hmm. And so I don't always think we need to verbalize everything we do with kids. Um, in fact, uh, I, ha- I worked with a parent educator who, who heard over and over again, just talk to your child, talk to your child. Talk. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, she said, you don't have to talk to your t- child every single minute of every single day. Right. And they felt, really? Right. I don't have to do that? My kid will be okay? Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm pushing right. back a little bit. And not... I was going to say, I think you also have to be very aware of the, the, the culture that that child is in. I think there are certain socioeconomic groups in our country, certain uh, other f- factors that, that there is a high level of language in a home and there are there are certain groups that there's a very low level of language in the home. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that studies show that to be detrimental to future li- literacy learning, vocabulary, and things like that. So I, I just don't want to ignore the fact that there yeah, are... Right. I agree with you, Tom. You don't need to be talking to your child every second right. of the day and labeling, you're walking through a door now, da 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 right. da You don't need to narrate their existence to them. I I agree, but I don't want to overlook the fact that I think there are also children who are in a very low mm-hmm. language environment, and that's also not healthy yeah. to be in a, a language-deprived And the research itself is more about the dialogue that goes on, and that's, I think, partly what's happening is if you're just right. narrating it. Right. right. That's different. But So I, I would use example watching a, a mom in a store, grocery store, and they're going through the produce section. And I was, after I, I saw, and I can't remember her name, but this researcher who did the whole thing about the, how many words you use yes, in the yes, dialogue yes. and all that. Which got taken like like kind of gospel. Right, and she, and is... she was just like, that's not what I said. I said that you need a dialogue with your child. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we did word counts to get an idea of how many words they're hearing, but it's not if they just hear it. It's the richness it's of the, the dialogue. It's the richness of exactly. the dialogue, yeah. And she's even done research with Skype that it's okay if it's by a screen if the person is actually talking to the child. But having a TV on or, you know, recording mm-hmm. of language doesn't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. That it, 
That's mm-hmm. not. And and to me, that means also if you're just saying, oh, you're going through the door, you're doing that, you know, you right. just describe what you're seeing. It's all declarative. Well, and dialogue, dialogue yeah. relies on nonverbal cues right. yeah, to know when the, yeah. you know, I'm not interested so, in talking about that anymore. Someone looks yeah, away. Sorry, right. we're kind of veering. No, yeah, yeah. Is, when, I, when I saw that mom, what she was doing was like, oh, uh, and she pointed, you know, like oranges. I was going to get oranges. Remember, we had them yesterday. And the, the kid was like two, two and a half. And was definitely oranges, you know, and was mm-hmm. really helping and was talking to the mom. But it's the thing where I often see a parent with a child that age where they, they were somewhat verbal, but not, you know, not full yeah. sentences necessarily. And they'll just sort of go and they'll be like just trying to get this stuff and get home. And the child's just kind of sitting in the cart. Um, and it's one thing if the child wants to doesn't want to talk but this kid clearly was engaged in a mm-hmm. conversation with his mom the whole time and in fact when they got to check out she stood the child on like the where you usually put the bag and put the bag up on the at the end of the conveyor belt and the kid was putting things in the bag and like i mean like doing a, a terrible job Eggs. but still i know like, <laughs> no yeah. they're doing a better job than me right. but um yeah not the best job in the world. But, but but i was amazed but and, i think that's that real it's it's where that kind it's the richness of dialogue and it's where it's processing in the brain it's mm-hmm. it's it's firing if we had those if we had a scan going you'd see the brain lighting up in so many more places versus that narrative yeah. just well, and I, background you, you, Ross, you just somewhere in that phrase that you were saying, you just said the word real that made me think of the mm-hmm. word authentic and maybe that's what we're dancing yeah. around is I don't walk right. around and be like, oh Tom, you're sitting in a chair you're wearing your blue sweatshirt today you have a cup. I mean, we don't this is not how people talk. Right. Right. And it's not authentic to right. walk around and narrate someone else's Agreed. experience yep. versus like right. do you think we should get oranges oh yeah you like them right. and she did actually say be careful of the eggs they can break right so she was talking about it but she was doing it for an authentic reason exactly right that's when she mentioned so that language so, authentic language is something to maybe and she think wasn't about. articulating the way i'm like be careful of the eggs because <laughs> that's the other thing that drives me nuts is when you know mm-hmm. i grew up with this show called romper room and it was mm-hmm. oh yeah the person just talked like elocution. Yes. It's like, ah. <laughs> well, I think, but maybe then the authenticity of language we use, now I'm thinking uh, it's making me like children of the, standing by the conveyor belt, loading bag, doing big work. And right, I'm, now right. I'm thinking of like in the gym, in a motor uh-huh. room, and there's the language we're using for encouragement, the mm-hmm. language we're using for instruction of how to help build a skill or, or, mm-hmm. or work on something, or the the language we're using for praise or encouragement <clears throat> there's you know we, many of us have or kind of think about the how many times we've said good job just the, the blank oh right. good job yep good job and then how you have children who are just like hey look at me look at me tell me that tell me this and like right. again the, the good job that's not authentic right again I, yeah if i think that one of you did a let's say one of you wrote a really great article i might say that was a great article because x and such but i'm probably not going to just walk and say good job Right. right. That's not a meaning. Right. That's not helpful as an adult. Yeah. So, you know, to think about. Especially when it's things you're just doing, like, you know, good right. job. You deposited you chair. your check. <laughs> <or> you, <sat laughs> chair. you put the pencil back in the cup. Oh, you like, inserted the chip card into the. Good job. Right. Right. I think it's again, there is we, we want to validate and encourage. But I, I think it goes back to that authentic language. And that, Tom, as you were saying before, we don't have to use it all the time. And actually the overuse then it just becomes the white noise right. or there's really and not there's this. a place where i can see the nonverbal. let's say the kid does 
a somersault for the first time in the gym right. and they look over at you and it's kind of like, Hey, did you see that? Cause this cool thing just happened. Right. You can like raise your eyebrows and smile and be like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. give them a little thumbs up or what you know, like, you know, you're acknowledging. And you can even say you did a somersault. Right. Right. I haven't seen you do I'm, that before. Yeah. I, I can see a performance art piece where somebody walks through a store just with a, with a megaphone. Good job. Good job. <laughs> right, Good right. job. Good job. Good like, job. Grab that apple. Good oh, man. Job Sometimes I feel beans. like when I walk into a classroom, I'll hear that over and over. And it's just right. like, you could just say it and not. And you, you often write, you see the like parent at the right. playground. It's like, mom, look. And they're, they're looking at their phone. Like, good job. Exactly. And, or it's, whatever. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. And, and right. I said mom, but, it, uh, but I think I've just gendered it with my language. There we go. Oh. But I think there's that feeling of when it's just, you're looking at your phone and you're like, uh-huh, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. But then because... We have have how have we fed into that where children are like hey look at me hey look at me tell me I did a good job tell me a good job I, th- that's all they want they want mm-hmm. the validation but it, it can just be a thumbs up or it could be you know wow you feel really proud right. of yourself and I, I remember talking to this with young teachers or people who were getting ready to go into the field like if you good job isn't a bad thing but follow it up with hey you good job you climbed all the way to the top of the bars. And that, but I mean, even that, like anything more, that's like, worth saying good job to, is worth being specific about what it was. Right. There must be something well, like, right, good job you cut with scissors. Right. To a four-year-old is probably not. There's no authentic reason to be saying that because right. they cut with scissors every day. But for right. a three-year-old who's just figuring it out. Right. But I think it can be you can be more again authentic with the language and mm-hmm. intentional where you go, wow, you feel I can see you feel really proud of yourself. Because I think that's ultimately when when I was in the gym or when I'm in the large motor room and kind of helping reinforce that willingness to try something bigger or riskier or more challenging. I'm not proud of you. Well, I mean, I am proud of you. But that's not what's important. You're proud of you. You don't want to be the judge of their performance. Right, Right. because it doesn't matter really to me what I think. It's how you're responding. And I see, wow, look at the smile on your face. I can tell you're really proud of yourself from jumping for them. Or that must have been really frustrating, and you try, but and you, you know, really trade so hard, and you know, I would like it'll happen. I'd mm-hmm. like to talk about how the difference of what we do with those things with gender. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe next time. I think it, yeah, that we're we're needing to wrap up here, but I think there's a couple other things because I'm curious how we gender language mm-hmm. intentionally and probably very unintentionally, right? And with the things we say that, yeah. So I um, I wanted I want to go back to how we gender language, but I think also there's um, when you said the classroom, Mike. I think there's other things that we do that are maybe not always motor related, but just the language we use with right. children or friends or kiddos. And I'll leave it at that because I think it's something I would love to jump okay. into another yeah. time. Uh, thanks everybody for this discussion, and I feel like we could keep talking for a few more episodes. So we'll check back in. Thanks, thanks Ross. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn. <laughs> Just let it go. Yeah. I still think with this language thing, uh-huh. and you know, we talk about um, kids who are coming from um, less language-rich environments. Mm-hmm. They still have capabilities, and they still have strengths, and and a lot of it may be in the nonverbal. Right, and and it, it's looking at their future, um, yeah, their future within a, a context of language and literacy. So so it's a it's a it's a biased or not right. biased, but it's a it's what's privileged in yeah. education. Yes, yes, it's what's privileged in education, but it's also 
because I think it's also important, like Lisa Delpit would argue that sometimes if there's given, she, she's an African-American writer um, and talks about the importance of not saying, oh, but that this is a different way to do it. If it means that economically they're never going to get a job, that <clears throat> if it's going to create a cycle of poverty, or not create, but continue a cycle right. of poverty, that's not okay. So her her point is like, like with she does a lot on literacy, and so she talks a lot, and she's granted talking all ages, but she mm-hmm. she talks a lot about kids need to learn that their ebonics, whatever you know, is okay, but it's not the language of the workplace. So you also have to learn that, and so she mm-hmm. has these like way strategies for high school students. <clears throat> okay, answer the question the way you would to your friend. Now answer it in this way that you would mm-hmm. do it at work, and so pointing out the differences. So she would argue like that. Right. And I think, um, I mean, I think so it's, it's both. It's this so is huge. A pretty to, deep topic. It, it is. And it's, so we, we, and it's too big for us, but it's so this huge one, to this unpack one's because way there's off always the... been people who don't have, you know, there's what Einstein was dyslexic or right or whatever. So yep. pick, pick your famous person who was dyslexic. Like people right. can definitely work around yeah, yeah. Right. literacy challenges. So right. then how do you say, oh, it's just this thing about language? It's not the fact that they somebody lives in a discriminatory world and right. doesn't have money. Right. I mean, it's, you, right. know, you know, it's, it's right, a right. pretty big yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. onion to peel. Yeah. yeah. So it's not one so specific thing, but kids in poverty by the time they're five are already. Yeah. Right. 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 So I didn't yeah. mean to jump on that necessarily. Yeah. I just, and I just literacy also is not the answer, but it's not. No, not no. Literacy alone no. is not. The literacy answer. alone I mean, is not the answer. answer. No, right. I, I, yeah. I absolutely couldn't agree more. Yeah. 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 I think that's where that we fall into so many of these educational pitfalls. Yeah. Right. Where we well, we jump on everything. one thing, right? It's now it's got to be executive function. Everybody do executive oh, function. Hard. It's great. It, those are great things to help right. children learn and do. But, but it doesn't get rid of all those other things that we already the, know. It's not the panacea learned. that's going to take care of right. all the other issues. Right. Literacy, just being able to read books or be read too, is not going to be the guarantee that your life is going. You're going to be. Uh, you're not going to go to prison. There's a correlation between what we see, right. but right, right. It's again. It. I feel like we we fall into these yeah. spirals of it's got to be this. Now this is the next thing. This is the one thing that we're gonna do, mm-hmm. and then we. And it seems like we what we miss often that emotional social self of you know where are you at here internally, right? right. Which, which has. So, I mean, schools have a role, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, your, your, your kind of life outside of school is right. going to have a huge impact right. on right. that as well. I'm sorry you got, we got... No, no that, was, that was good, yeah. This is, no. I think it's... I'm sorry, I'm, I, was I, kind of the, like, I think the gender one would be right. really good. Oh. So do we want to do a part two? I do. Okay, yeah. so this controversial conversation is going to stop being recorded. Okay.